All right. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. Um, <clears throat> this is where I'm at in the time that I'm living in right now. It is the day before Christmas Eve, and um, it's it's hot outside, and the sun is bright. And to be honest, like, um, if I had a pool, there is a slight chance that I would probably be in it right now. That's how nice the weather is outside right now. I mean, the sun is just beating down. Um, it seems like the region I'm in is always kind of like that. Like it's it's cold in the morning and at night. But during the winter, during the day, it's it's hot again. Like you put on your hoodie in the morning and then midday, you're leaving that bitch in the car. And then, you know, then later you realize the sun's gone down. Oh, shit, I got to go back to the car and get get my hoodie. But, I, you know, I want to talk about Christmas a little bit because there's a lot of different variations of Christmas. And I believe that you shouldn't focus too much on Christmas tradition is good. But just remember that all of these, what we call traditions today, was just an idea that some guy came up with a hundred years ago. So that's, you know, don't take anything uh, too serious. Um, You know, just like, uh, it's just like a law. Like all the laws that we have today, it was just somebody's, uh, it was just somebody did something and then they said, hey, we can't have you doing that. And then they make a law and then next thing you know, we can't we can't walk across the street without getting a ticket, you know. But uh, <clears throat> the thing about it is, is I like Christmas. Um, I don't have a whole lot of family. Um, I usually spend Christmas with one of my friends' family, and uh, it's just it's a good time. It's a time for everybody to get together uh, indoors and a little bit outdoors if it's nice outside, like it is, and maybe maybe throw a football back and forth or play a little play a little game of uh horse or as we play uh ho you know um playing something like that uh, or playing pig you know play play a little game of pig where you you get a which I always I, I suck at basketball so I, I never win that game but um I can throw a football really far there's a there's a lot of debate about Christmas and the thing is, is, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, it celebrates the anniversary of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. And while actually a lot of historians has, have historians have came out and kind of said, look, there's no way that he was born during the wintertime because there were shepherds around and stuff like that. And there wouldn't be any shepherds around that area in the wintertime. I, I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. But it's... uh. It, it it's it's what we widely believe um in most parts of the world a lot of people do believe that um but the very middle of winter has always been a celebration all around the world in all kinds of different cultures and uh and and it was going on uh centuries before um Jesus but like uh er, early europeans celebrated light and uh and birth in the darkest days of winter. Um, and many people rejoiced during the winter solstice. When uh, the worst of the winter was behind them, they were looking forward to longer days and more sunlight and stuff like that. And uh, in Norse, in Scandinavia and in, in the Norse uh, stuff, they celebrated Yule from December 21st 
the winter solstice through January. And uh, Yule is also something from a from a like a rap song, I think. I don't know. I'm super white. But in recognition of the return of the sun, fathers and sons would bring home large logs. Oh, that's funny. And they would set them on fire. And the people would feast until the log burned out, which could take as many as 12 days. And the Norse believed that each spark from the fire represented a new pig or calf that would be born during the coming year. Hmm. Uh, you know, who am I to judge? Sounds cool, though. I do love a good fire and standing around it outside with a, a beverage in my hand, um, particularly that of the adult variety. So I, I like this so far. I could see myself getting into this 12 days of just straight up bonfiring and eating uh, grilled meats. Could be fun. Could be fun. Um, you know, but the end, the end of the December was a perfect time for celebration in most areas of Europe. And, um, uh, most cattle were slaughtered so they wouldn't have to be fed during the winter. So it was one of the only times of the year that they had a large supply of fresh meat. Um, and, uh, most wine and beer made during the year was, uh, finally fermented and ready for drinking around this time. So it was, like I said, it was... It was time for them adult beverage bad boys to come out and you could stand around a burning Yule log with uh, several people and eat meat um, and probably do some other things, you know, use your imagination. But in Germany, uh, people honored the pagan god Odin. And fun fact about Odin, that's where we get the name from the, for the word Wednesday. It's Odin's Day. Odin's Day is actually where, where Wednesday came from and, and Saturn, Saturday, and then Thor, Thor's Day. That's Thor's Day, Thursday. So uh, during midwinter holidays, they, they uh, honored the pagan god Odin. And uh, uh, at this time, Germans were terrified of Odin as they believed he made nocturnal flights through the sky to observe his people and then decide who would prosper or perish. Because of his presence, many people chose to stay inside. Okay, so they, um, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, and in Rome, uh, winters were not as harsh uh, as they were in people in other uh, areas. Um, so they, uh, they had a celebration called uh, Saturnalia. Yeah, we celebrate Saturnalia, you know, and that's what they would celebrate. And uh, uh, it was a holiday in honor of Saturn, and it, that was a god of agriculture. Um, beginning the week leading up to the winter solstice, continuing for a full month, Saturnalia was a hedonistic time when food and drink were plentiful and the normal Roman social order was turned upside down. So for a whole month, the enslaved people were given temporary freedom and treated as equals. Wow, a whole month? Jeez. Uh, Rain it in a little bit there, Romans. Uh, that's, yeah. So business and schools were closed so that everyone could participate in all of the holiday festivities. Now, that's a little strange. Now imagine you, you've been enslaved for who knows how long, an entire year, and all of a sudden they say, hey, you're free right now. Now, look, there's no way that they let them uh, walk freely and unshackled. I mean, it would just be, um, there, was, there was definitely some problems that came about with the, the Roman soldiers and then the slaves being let go 
under this uh, under this Roman Empire at this time. Because I don't know about you, but as soon as I see everybody's had their you know bellies uh, filled with some of that uh, winter wine, uh, I'm looking for the nearest Yule log to to knock somebody over the head with and uh, get get out of there. But probably wouldn't get far. So uh, uh, you know, let's let's be honest. I wouldn't have gotten far. But around that time of the winter solstice, Romans observed Juvenalia, a feast honoring the children of Rome. Um, in addition, members of the upper classes often celebrated the birthday of Mithra, the god of the unconquerable sun, on December 25th. And it was believed that Mithra, an infant god, was born of a rock. For some Romans, Mithra's birthday was the most sacred day of the year. Um, so... There was, there was a lot of different festivities going on at this at, in these older days around December and around what we know as Christmas time, and uh, I'm guessing they weren't playing uh, Mariah Carey and uh, you know shopping at at the local uh, Nordstroms. They were they were just partying with slaves and eating, um, you know, uh, meats and probably lots and lots of wine and uh, beer, hopefully, and stuff like that. So therein, therein brings the question, is Christmas really the day that Jesus was born? Um, many, many people, including a lot of people that I know, would say absolutely. It absolutely was, and there's no question about it because that's what I've been told my whole life. Um, it, you know, it, on, on Sunday mornings, that's what we're always told at this month. And, uh, you know, it, in the early, but in the early years of Christianity, Easter was actually the most celebrated holiday. Um, the birth of Jesus wasn't even celebrated much in the early times of Christianity, but in the fourth century, church officials decided to institute, institute the birth of Jesus as a holiday. Um, the Bible does not mention the actual date of his birth, um, Puritans, the Puritans later pointed out in order to deny the legitimacy of the celebration. Okay, so the Puritans pointed out that it's not even in the Bible. And some evidence suggests that his birth may have occurred in the spring. Because, like I said before, why would there be shepherds herding in the middle of winter? The, all the, the animals would be in a, in a somewhere else. But Pope uh, Julius I chose December 25th. And it is commonly believed that the church chose this day in an effort to adopt and absorb the traditions of the pagan Saturnalia festival. First called the Feast of Nativity, the, the custom spread to Egypt by the year 432 and to England by the 6th century. So, um, the, 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 they were kind of smart in this because if they had chose... If they had chosen anything, every, everything should was close together because if they had chose a different time, then their ultimate plan of combining it all and meshing it all into one wouldn't have worked, right? Because so if you celebrated uh, Saturnalia at this time and then we celebrated Christmas at, in a in a whole other month and the and the weather was kind of different and stuff, it would it, they wouldn't be able to merge as easily. Um, but. So, because they held them around the same time as the traditional winter solstice festivals, the church leaders increased the chances that Christmas would just be popularly embraced. Um, they they gave up the ability to how 
to dictate exactly how it was celebrated. Um, by, by the Middle Ages, Christianity had, for the most part, replaced pagan religion completely. And on Christmas, believers attended church, then celebrated in a, uh, a wild, drunken, carnival-like festival atmosphere that was uh, actually sort of similar to uh, Mardi Gras. Um, and if you know anything about Mardi Gras, it can be a little wild. Uh, you're definitely gonna, you're definitely gonna see some things, and um, and yeah, it'll be you know if you ever, if you've never done it, it'd be, it'd be cool to go. So uh, each year, uh, a beggar or a student would be crowned the Lord of Misrule, and eager celebrants played the parts of his subjects. Um, the poor would go to the houses of the rich and demand their best food and drink. And if the owners failed to comply, the visitors would most likely terrorize them with mischief. Um, and Christmas kind of became the time when the upper class could repay um, their their debt to society by uh, entertaining these requests of the less fortunate citizens. So this was a time where where poor people said, "Hey, man, y'all have had y'all y'all have had your fun the other." 11 months of the year now it's time to maybe let us have a little piece of that mutton you know let me get some of that let me get some of that wine let me get some wine and let me get a roll or something out of your cabinet all right please i mean hey y'all eat this every year how about how about this year y'all eat turnips and i'll eat your and i'll eat a potato or i'll eat a sweet potato and i think potatoes back then were purple i'm not sure i know carrots were probably purple back then if they even had them, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But so time and time, time went on. Time marches on, and uh, in in the early 17th century, there was a wave of religious reform, and it changed the way that Christmas was celebrated completely in Europe. And um, uh, there, the Puritan forces took over England in 1645. And they vowed to rid England of the decadence. And uh, in their effort, they canceled Christmas. Man. So they was canceling. The, so it was the first, this was the first instance of cancel culture, man. They, were just, they just canceled Christmas. So uh, by popular demand, Charles II was restored to the throne. And with him came the return of Christmas. Well, you know, the pilgrims, the pilgrims... They came to America in 1620, and uh, they they were more orthodox than their uh, Puritan predecessors. So they they were even more uh, they their belts were even a little tighter. You know, they might had you you think of no the belts the buckles on the shoes they probably had like a couple of buckles you know somewhere else. So as a result, uh, Christmas was not a holiday in early America. So from 1659 to 1681, the celebration of Christmas was actually outlawed in Boston. They said, no more Christmas up here in Boston. Right, right here in Boston, we got no more Christmas. So just don't stay in your car, don't get out of your car, and, uh, and everything will be fine. It'll be just fine, all right? So they would talk like that. And, they, 
And uh, the, actually, what some historians believe is that the, the Boston accent is probably closest to the actual accent of the people in like the 16 and 1700s, um, the early settlers of America. They believe that they actually probably did kind of talk like, like a Boston accent, which is pretty crazy. Um, so Christmas was outlawed in Boston, and anyone exhibiting the Christmas spirit was fined five shillings. You're going to pay five shillings if I hear you talking about Christmas up here. So by uh, contrast, in the Jamestown settlement, Captain John Smith reported that Christmas was enjoyed by all and passed without incident. Now fast forward a little bit to uh, about, about 100 years to after the American Revolution. English customs fell out of favor. We didn't want to be doing what they were doing when they were really heavily influenced by uh, the English culture of of the former, you know, generation. So Christmas wasn't declared a federal holiday until June 6, 1870. Okay, so a lot of time went on. A lot of time went on. Um, so then the 19th century rolls around. Um, it, Americans began to embrace Christmas, and they reinvented Christmas, and they changed it from a, a wild... A carnival-like holiday into a family-centered day of peace and nostalgia. And man, I wouldn't mind seeing it come back to be like a, some sort of wild holiday as well. I mean, why can't you have both? I mean, if you want to, you know, like, I don't got a lot of family, so I wouldn't mind going to some big, uh, you know, wild Christmas party where there's people who are just, you know, throwing up eggnog and stuff and, and getting crazy. I'd be down with that. And then we got a couple of Yule Logs and, and we'll do that. That'll be fun. But but it's not that's not really how it is so it's a family-centered day of peace and nostalgia um so the the early 19th century there was a lot of class conflict okay so there was a big there was a big uh rift between the different levels of the working class people and uh during this time unemployment was high and uh gang rioting by the disenchanted classes often occurred during the christmas season wow uh you you know what i'm thinking um, in 1828, the New York City Council instituted the city's first police force in response to a Christmas riot. Oh, a Christmas riot. Man, that sounds, it sounds funner than I'm sure it was. So this, uh, this, this kind of torn certain members of the Apple crafts and they began to change the way Christmas was, um, celebrated in America. Um, there was a, a, in, in 1819, there was an author by the name of Washington Irving, and he wrote out uh, he wrote a series of stories about the celebration of Christmas in an English uh, poor manor house. The sketches feature uh, a squire who invited the peasants into his home for the holidays, and uh, to the in contrast to the problems that the American society was facing, the two groups mingled effortlessly and got along, you know, swimmingly. And in Irving's mind, Christmas should be a peaceful, warm-hearted, warm-hearted holiday, bringing groups together across the lines of wealth or social status. Um, the fictitious celebrates celebrants of um, this story. They enjoyed ancient customs, including the crowning of the Lord of Misrule. Um, uh, Irving's book, however, was not based on any holiday celebration he had actually attended. In fact, many historians say that Irving's account was actually invented. It actually invented the tradition by implying that it described the true customs of the season. 
So that's that's kind of that's a little bit, you know, some of the the early the early instances of Christmas, you know, and how it sort of came about and it's being right now it's still in the furnace. It's not it hasn't been fully forged yet. It's not what we completely think of it as today, but you can tell that it's it's getting there. Okay. And um it was also around this time that the English author Charles Dickens created the classic holiday tale, A Christmas Carol. And the story's uh, message was the importance of charity and goodwill towards all humankind. And this story struck a chord with people in the United States and England, and it showed members of Victorian society the benefits of celebrating the holiday. Okay, and I've actually seen A Christmas Carol uh, play live and... uh, right during the play a city bus traveled by and it was really loud and everybody uh couldn't hear anything until the bus passed and i don't know why i remember that but i remember that and i remember someone yelled out city bus it's a city bus so but uh families were becoming uh at this time families were becoming less disciplined and more sensitive to the emotional needs of children okay so christmas provided uh families uh, with a day that they could uh, provide a lot of attention and gifts to uh, their children without uh, without feeling like they're spoiling them because it was just one time, just one day or one week or whatever. So Americans began to embrace Christmas because, you know, we love getting gifts. Um, and let's be honest, you know, Christmas is more for the kids. And it's that, that, that reigns true still today. I mean, it's not really for adults. I could really care less if somebody gets me a Christmas present or not. I'm in my 30s, but uh, kids, you know, you got to get the kids a gift. They got to get one. I don't know why, but they just do. So Americans are just embracing Christmas at this point as a perfect family holiday, and uh, some old customs were unearthed. People look for, people look towards recent immigrants and uh, Catholic and Episcopalian churches to see how the day should be celebrated. Um, so over the next 100 years... Uh, Americans have built a Christmas tradition all their own that included many pieces of other customs, including decorating the tree, sending cards, and giving gifts. Um, and the tree is, is uh, the history of the Christmas tree is also a very storied past, and it can be talked about for a while. Um, but now, with all this stuff going on, there's one thing that kind of became a constant with Christmas, and it was uh, Santa Claus, you know, St. Nick, Chris Kringle, uh, St. Nicholas, uh, you know, a lot of uh, those names. Uh, Father Christmas was another one, and uh, the, the Fat Man, as played by Mel Gibson in that movie about a year ago. Um, so the legend of Santa Claus can be traced back to a monk named St. Nicholas, who was born in Turkey around 280 A.D. So St. Nicholas gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside helping the poor and sick, becoming known as the protector of children and sailors. Because everybody knows that the sailors need protecting as well. St. Nicholas first entered American popular culture in the late 18th century in New York when Dutch families gathered to honor the anniversary um, of the death of St. Nicholas. That's Dutch for St. Nicholas. That's some Dutch for your ass. Uh, Sinterklaas, for short. Santa Claus draws his name from the abbreviation. Okay, so that's cool. Um, there was a lot of uh, 
there's a lot of different uh there's a lot of different uh beginnings for for Santa Claus you know and it's the the whole the whole thing about it is is it's 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 all uh, an amalgamation of different people's uh traditions and like like I said the one that started in Turkey I think there's like there there's there's also Father Christmas right and it and it dates back in England and uh he was pictured as a large man and he wore uh green or scarlet robes lined with fur and uh he, he 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 was supposed to bring good cheer and peace and joy and good food and wine and I wish Santa would bring me some wine this year that'd be that'd be mighty nice of him, but England England no longer kept the feast day of Saint Nicholas um, on the sixth of December, so uh, the Father Christmas celebration was moved to the twenty fifth to coincide with uh, what they believe is actual Christmas Day. You know it goes back. It, it goes back to Dutch, Belgian, and Swiss folklore. And uh, Sinterklaas, based on the St. Nicholas, um, he, he remained the predominant gift giver in December. Uh, 30, 36% of the Dutch only give presents on Sinterklaas evening or, or the day itself, the 6th of December. While Christmas, the 25th of December, is used by another 21% to give presents some 26% of the Dutch population gives presents on both days. So these, those are those are obviously people with more money. Um, there, There's also, you know, Odin. Odin had a big, long, white beard. So the Germ, Ger, Germanic tribes and the Germanic paganisms, um, Woden, Odin, um, they, when they were celebrating Yule, the, they, they believe that there was supernatural and ghostly occurrences. There was something that was called uh, the uh, or the wild hunt, which was where they believed that uh, figures escorted by a ghostly or a supernatural group of hunters engaged in uh, in a pursuit, and the leader of the hunt is often uh, associated with Odin. And uh, you know who who's to say that it wasn't happening? We weren't there, but I guarantee you that they were. Uh, ingesting some things. The Woden's Odin's role during the Yuletide period um, was it was theorized as having influenced a lot of the concepts of Saint Nicholas. Um, you know, the long white beard, um, a, a gray horse for riding at night, um, or a reindeer, is what we you know we like to say he he has his reindeer. Who knows? You know, uh, they. They said that the Odin was, you know, uh, he was a blue-hooded and cloaked, white-bearded gift-bringer of the North, and he rode the midwinter sky on a eight-footed steed. So, Odin transformed into Father Christmas, and then Santa Claus, and then Saint Nicholas, and uh, so on and so forth. Okay, so that's kind of that's kind of where it got its. Uh, it, it, a lot of its origin and then what we sort of use as a picture like when we think of what Santa Claus would look like today was actually a drawing it was an illustration in 1881 by a man named Thomas Nast and along with Clement Clark Moore's 1823 poem A Visit from St. Nicholas um, helped create 
the modern image of Santa Claus that we think of today. And he drew him, and he's like, he's got a big white beard and a bushy white head of hair, and he's a portly gentleman, and he's carrying a whole bunch of gifts and, and toys and stuff, and he's, he's, he's smoking a pipe. So, so Santa Claus is smoking. So the, the book that they wrote, or the poem, but was A Visit from St. Nicholas, and it's actually, actually more commonly known as The Night Before Christmas or Twas the Night Before Christmas, and I like that poem. And uh, I had a copy of it in my house growing up that was the uh, Creole version, and uh, it, was, it was written a little bit differently. And uh, my grandmother would always make my aunt uh, read it because she could read the Creole better than, than the rest of us. Um, so that, that's sort of where he, got his, uh, where he got his origins and where and even where Christmas itself got its origins. And this one's just going to be a 30-minute uh, because I don't want to keep you away from your uh, holiday holiday stuff. But, you know, uh, thanks for listening. And as always, you know, tell your friend about it. Tell your friend about the podcast, uh, the Leon Lounge. And uh, just, you know, give me a, give me a, some stars and a review or something. And uh, feel free to reach out to me and correct me about anything if you want at uh, theleonloungepod at gmail.com. And uh, I've also got a Patreon uh, and it's patreon.com slash the Leon Lounge. All right. And as usual, I end it the same way by just saying a dumb phrase that I uh, heard or maybe made up. I don't know. Stay smooth. Thank you.